my name is Austin Carrig. I am the CEO of Exceptional Families of the Military. In February 2020, the House Armed Service Committee had a hearing on the Exceptional Family Member Program, and I was asked to testify as a family member in front of Congress about our experiences with the program. And that day was surreal, not just because I was testifying in front of Congress, but because there were so many family members there that they had to open another viewing room. And even the members of Congress and the staffers were shocked by the turnout. And what happened in the following weeks was an onslaught of Facebook messages and LinkedIn connections of people trying to reach out to me and say, I want to fix this program. I don't know what to do. And there's always this adage in the military community that like, we don't need another military nonprofit. And so I hadn't really thought about it in depth prior to this, but I realized in this case, we actually did need another military nonprofit. We needed a nonprofit that focused on our families and on EFMP because I can't do it alone. And the number of messages that came in were so large that I was never going to be able to answer every single person that messaged me. And within a month, I had established our online presence and we started the paperwork once Rebecca came on board and we've been on our way since then. Can you tell me why the mission is so important to you personally? So I am a family that has four members, including myself enrolled in the Exceptional Family Member Program. And we have struggled with the good and the bad of the program. So programs that are in place to help us don't always help. And the story I told the day I testified was about being in the middle of a PCS and we brought our daughter home for adoption and the military telling us to give her back and get a new one when we got to where we were going. And that should never be an answer to any family. It shouldn't be an answer because it was an adoption but when I fast forward to where my family is now, we were sent on an assignment that the military knew the medical care wasn't available. So they had queried, it came back, non-availability of care, and it was overridden by the Office of the Surgeon General, and we went. And my daughter suffered a catastrophic stroke and almost died. And these things could have been prevented because she had had signs. The night before our movers came, she ended up in the hospital and I begged to stay. And they told us, no, we had to figure it out when we got to where we were going. And the hospital where we went had to air ambulance her across the country from the West Coast back to the East Coast for medical care. And my daughter will die because the military made mistakes in her care. I don't want any family to ever have to experience what we have to. No family should be asked to do that. And I think it's important that we realize that these mistakes happen but it's what we do after they happen that makes the difference. And that's why I'm so passionate about what we do. Uh, Jennifer, could you tell me a little bit about uh, your story and how you got involved with the organization? Sure. Um, so I'm Jennifer Bittner. I am currently the deputy executive director and lead researcher for EFM. I got involved, um, I'm gonna say around the summer of 2021. Um, I have three children that are enrolled in EFMP. 
Uh, what brought me to EFM was the um, the changes in what is called the autism care demonstration, what we refer to as the ACD. It's a lot to unpack. I'll try not to go down that big rabbit hole for too much, too much longer, but um, that's what brought me to EFM because I did not understand what exactly my children were enrolled in. I didn't know that what my kids were enrolled in was a demonstration, a pilot study. Um, and so I went to EFM looking for answers and to advocate against it. Uh, families need to know, they have a right to know if you're enrolled in a pilot study or a demonstration like this. And so, um, and it was not, and prior to that, it was not openly advertised. My kids started, our, my two oldest children are autistic. They um, started participating in ABA therapy and that's, and how you receive ABA therapy through um, TRICARE, through the autism care demonstration. And they, they had been enrolled since 2017 without my knowledge until 2021. I had no idea that they were enrolled in this demonstration. And so I was upset. I, like I said, I was looking for answers and, um, and EFM helped me find them. And, you know, it's, I've been advocating with EFM about this and, and other things along with EFM. And it's a passion of mine, like Austin, has said her family has been affected by the assignments process with PCS. Mine, not to her extent, you know, we, we kind of stumbled our way recently through, um, through possible PCS and due to EFMP. And there's just, there's a lot of um, things that families go through and struggle. And, um, you know, we don't want families to know that they have to go through it alone. Um, I felt alone for a really long time, especially when my kids were being diagnosed in 2017. Um, prior to that, I had questions about my middle son. Uh, in 2016, I had asked a provider for a referral to get him, um, you know, evaluated for autism and the provider refused. And she kept refusing me. I had a 12 month old who was not, not babbling, not pointing, not clapping, missing a lot of milestones for what a 12 month old should have been doing at the time. And, you know, I had a military treatment provider at an MC, at a military treatment facility denying my child care. And so, and telling me essentially I was over worrying and I'm, um, I always tell people that I was a previously practicing child and adolescent therapist. So developmental milestones are my thing. Um, I'm a psychology professor. Um, and so I, I knew what my son's symptoms were and I just wanted to get him help. And I was being denied left and right for quite a few months. And then finally we PCS and I got the help that he needed and it was confirmed that he was autistic. And then we found out our oldest son was autistic as well. And so it's just been kind of like just bumps in the road. Um, since then, um, my youngest daughter who is three is now EFMP for medical reasons. 
And uh, it's just, it's just been hard. Um, it shouldn't be this hard. It really, it really shouldn't. Um, and it just sort of feels like there's a hurdle every single step of the way. It doesn't make sense why it has to be that way. At least to me, it doesn't. How important is it to let people know they are not alone? So one of our primary missions is to provide peer-to-peer -peer support to our families. So we serve nearly 10,000 families in our peer-to-peer -peer support groups. Oh, wow. And it's a lot. And yeah. it's proof that it's needed. So it's not even our opinion. It's clear by the number of people joining these groups that they feel alone. And when I started this journey as a parent of children with disabilities, I remember feeling alone and like no one could possibly understand what my life was like. And when my husband would say, we're gonna go to a unit function, there was a dread because I knew that my children were different than the other children there and that I was going to be expected to have them behave in the same manner as the other children there when it really wasn't always possible. And we couldn't just leave early because it would look bad. And I know that I'm not alone in those feelings now. And I think it's important that we can go to someone and say, I'm feeling really bad today, or I'm not looking forward to this event because I know it's going to happen and have someone say, I've been there. I know you just need someone to talk to. That can be life-changing. And when we know that our families experience higher levels of mental health issues, parenting, or being married to a spouse, or even yourself having a disability, having someone who understands that life that you can talk to, even if they're a world away, can make a huge difference. So I would say that that is our number one goal and priority in the organization. What are some of the other programs uh, the organization does to help out these families? Um, so not only do we do peer-to-peer -peer support, we also do legislative and policy directives. And so this doesn't always mean Congress. A lot of times it means we talk to DOD and we say, we're EFMP families and you have all of these ideas in place to make our lives better. But since you don't live our lives every day, your ideas don't always work like you think they're going to. So let us tell you what's not working, but let us provide you a solution that is brought to you by families that will work. Because at the end of the day, that's going to save you a lot of money. If we can tell you what we need, that means you're not putting programs in place that we don't need. And that doesn't always work. And so we do work with members of Congress to change the laws around some of the things like the changes that Jennifer mentioned in the autism care demonstration. And Jennifer is our lead researcher. So we survey our families once a year and ask them how the last year has been. And we use that survey to determine what legislative priorities and DOD policy priorities we're gonna work on in the coming year. And when we're not doing those two things, we do direct family support. So sometimes there are cases, much like what has happened to my family and Jennifer's, where they need one-on-one -on -one support. They need someone who's saying, you're right, this isn't working. It should be working. You're doing all of the things that you need to do to make this work. And if that's an assignment process or a referral through TRICARE or a pharmacy issue, so let us help you. 
Let us reach out to the people we know how to reach out to. Let us empower you with additional information. Sometimes that means that we're helping them fill out very long packets that gets them moved to a new duty station where the medical care they need is available. But we try to fill sort of all of the gaps that are left in the DOD process and policy, why we are also working to improve it and make sure those gaps don't exist. And I hope that someday we aren't needed, right? Maybe EFM someday will just be peer-to-peer -peer support. It'll be a place we can find each other because there won't be any work left to do. That really is my goal and my hope. Yeah, I don't think people realize that sometimes, like, yeah, we have EFMP. It has certain parts of the program that function in certain ways, but there, there's holes in there. Um, it can... And I feel like that that's where EFM kind of comes through and like we fill those holes like those uh, by helping families. It can be something like Austin, Austin said, you know, helping people with finding care in certain areas um, or helping them with compassionate reassignments or it can be something. I mean, I say it's simple, but it really isn't that simple. Finding DME, like durable medical equipment, helping them get that approved either through you know, TRICARE or another program that we have, TRICARE ECHO. It's things like that that families may not be aware of that they are able to obtain. Uh, I can't tell you how many families I've walked I've walked through the process. My middle son has an AAC device because he is minimally speaking. And so he communicates through an AAC device. And so I've walked families through like you have, yeah, you have an SLP, but are they familiar with AAC devices? They're not. Okay. Find a company that, you know, can lay out five different, you know, AAC devices in front of you and your child can pick one, you know, it's things like that, that uh, maybe a PCM or even a case manager can't exactly give them that information that they really need. Um, it's, it's support like that. And I know for me, like, I want to provide that support for families because I didn't get that in the beginning. Like, I was just a fish out of water despite, and I, and a lot of people took it for granted. Like, oh, she was a therapist. Like she was, she, she teaches psychology. She knows exactly what she's doing. No, I, yeah, I've worked with children and I had worked with children and, and everything, but I had never parent children um, that were autistic, you know, and so, that were autistic. And so it's, I, I needed help. I needed guidance and, um, and what to do and, um, on how to help my kids. Um, and so it's things like that, that, um, people don't realize there are holes in the system until they are knee deep in it. Right. So, so for the both of you, how does it feel personally that you said like 10,000 or uh, thousands of people uh, are in the peer-to-peer -peer support group that you're making an impact in these people's lives? I think it feels surreal sometimes. I know that Jennifer and myself and some of our senior staff will talk and it's almost shocking that we've grown as quickly as we have in the short amount of time that we've existed. But I also know that especially when we're we're in those groups with them. And so we're answering their questions as moms, not as EFM. We're just there as, you know, someone on this ride with them. And for me, it's really fulfilling. I can be having one of the worst days that we've had that week. 
but going online and being able to feel like I just helped somebody accomplish their mountain makes a big difference and it gets you through. And when I sat in the hospital at my daughter's bedside, you know, there's only so much you can do. And then you just sit there on your phone or watching TV and having these groups where I can go in and help other people and forget for a minute all the craziness that's in my life has been so incredibly helpful. What about you, Jennifer? I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I don't think of it as that big. I don't, I don't know, but I also didn't testify at Congress like Austin did. <laughs> like I haven't done anything like that. Um, I think it hits me the most when we get contacted by outside organizations that are like, we heard about your groups and we heard that you reach these many people. And it's like, oh yeah, we do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we kind of have that, don't we? Um, I think the important thing about our groups, especially for those of us who are admins and moderators in, in the groups and being a part of EFM is just being transparent with our families and them knowing like our EFMP lives aren't perfect either. We have trouble with our PCS assignments as well. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, we have to wade through those waters. We have to wade through the paperwork. Um, you know, and I think when we go into our own groups and we're like, we need help with this, like we're encountering this hurdle. Has anybody encountered that? Like, I like being transparent like that. Um, just being honest, like I'm having a hard time. Can somebody help me navigate this? Cause I've never navigated this before. Um, I think that's important um, just to show our group members, just so that way they know that it's not always sunshine and butterflies for us. Um, so like, and it's, it's nice because when I, my daughter was recently, recently hospitalized in August. And so it's just, it's nice to know that you have that support there to help you when things just for lack of a better word, suck. So, sorry. Well, and you know, it's funny you mentioned the other organizations because I didn't think about this, but there was a recent GAO report. And I think that was a turning point for me. They yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so they specifically mentioned our organization yes. as well as an, one other organization who we actually merged with. They are under the EFM umbrella now as the two organizations that are providing support to families in this realm. And so the Government Accountability Office is now saying, oh, look at these, this organization, look at what they're doing. That was shocking for me. I will say, actually, one thing that I recently I was kind of like, <laughs> my, my husband contacts, my husband teach teaches, um, I don't know what the Ackerman stands for. I'm the worst military spouse ever. My husband teaches at what's called CGSC for the Army. I don't know. I don't know. Austin, if you guys, I don't know if anybody knows. Also, but. not the world's best army spouse. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I can't remember what it stands for. And I don't want to try because if I do, I'll botch it. And my husband's going to be like, oh, 
Um, anyways, but um, he called me the other day because right now the, the soldiers that are there are going through the assignments process and stuff. And so he called me the other day and he was like, hey, I have this the soldier who is going, you know, has EFMP paperwork. Could they go here, here, or here? And I was like, yes, no. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, wow. You know, I, I don't know. I just kind of, it was nice. Cause I think my husband was just like, hold on, let me call my wife and ask. Cause she's, she knows these things. And so I was like, oh, yay. Like teamwork. <laughs> Where can uh, people find the organization? So we have tried to create an online presence that meets everybody where they are. Um, you can find us online at exceptionalmilitaryfam.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at EFM Voice. And then you can find us on Facebook under Exceptional Families of the Military.